0: would just resonate in our spirit, that they would live in our hearts, that we would be reminded of them, that we would persevere to the end. And we thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, let's just start out. Let's read uh, Hebrews 10.36. It says this, for you have need of steadfast patience and endurance so that you may perform and fully accomplish the will of God, and thus receive and carry away and enjoy to the full what is promised. So why do we want to have our PPE in place? Why do we want that? Why do we want our patience, our perseverance, our endurance in place? Because there's something that's promised to us, so that, first of all, we can accomplish the will of God, But second, it says this, and carry away and enjoy to the full everything that God has promised. So there's a purpose to it. Pastor Mark didn't just come up with that. Guess what? The Holy Spirit did. (laughs) He knew that we needed reminded. And so, God has given us promises, both personal and as a congregation and in the Word, as the body of Christ, God has given us promises. But those promises only come to pass as we go through the process of the promise coming to pass. So promises have processes. And so, when we look at promises and processes throughout the Word of God, there's always something that comes in opposition, right? Something that comes of the enemy that tries to Make us forget the promise or quit in the process. But if we quit in the process, we do not carry away and enjoy to the full what is promised. So we have to come to the end. So James tells us, James 1 2 says, consider it. Holy, joyful, my brethren, whenever you are enveloped or encounter trials of any sort or fall into various temptations, be assured and understand that the trial and the proving of your faith bring out endurance and steadfastness and patience. Have you been rejoicing of the trials in your life lately? (laughs) Because guess what? They are working something in us. I mean, that's not our first reaction to always go, oh, thank you, God, for that trial. <laughs> no, not necessarily. But he says here that they're working something in us. They bring out uh, endurance and steadfastness and patience. And then it says this, let endurance and steadfastness and patience have full play and do a thorough work so that you may be people perfectly and fully developed with no defects lacking nothing. Wow, guess what? It's truly possible that you could be, you know, Pastor Mark always makes this joke about living with perfection, and he's talking about me. So... (laughs) You know, it's hard to live with perfection. and uh, But guess what? You really can be people who are perfectly perfected in every way. We can be. So it requires that we receive the promise, but that we go through the process, promises and processes. And the process oftentimes is exactly this. It's our PPE, having it in place, our patience, our perseverance, our endurance through all that comes. And James says, we can count it wholly joyful. So that's good news. (laughs) So uh, let's talk about a couple of people, and we're going to look at five things this morning that might contaminate our PPE. So you can put up that slide, five things that might contaminate or uh, get in the way of our patience, our perseverance, and our endurance, contaminate our PPE. So uh, those five things are this, uh, fear, discouragement, offense, Following the world or losing sight of the truth and we're going to look at people in the word this morning and we're going to find out how each of these how they worked it out in their story and how we can work it out in our story. Okay, so let's start and let's just talk about Abraham. Abraham was one who received a promise from God and what a great promise he received. The promise was to be the father of many nations. God told him he would bless him, and he would bless him richly. And so God gave Abraham an awesome promise, and it's found over in Genesis 12. So let's go over there, Genesis 12, 2. Genesis 12, 2, God gives Abraham a promise, and he says this. He says, "'And I will make of you a great nation.'" "'I will bless you with abundant increase of favors "'and make your name famous and distinguished, "'and you will be a blessing dispensing good to others. "'And I will bless those who bless you, "'and I will confer prosperity or happiness upon you, "'and I will curse him who curses you "'or uses insolent language toward you,' the Amplified says. "'And in you all of the families "'and the kindred of the earth shall be blessed.'" And by you they shall bless themselves. And it goes on down in verse seven and it says this Then the Lord appeared to Abram and he said, I will give this land to your posterity. So Abram built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. So God gave him a really great promise. And at this point, Abraham had done absolutely nothing to deserve anything. It was a promise from God. God said, I'm going to use you. I'm going to bless you. You're going to bless others. So Abraham receives this. And you know, we receive promises. We've received promises from God for our personal lives. We've received promises of God in the word about healing, about prosperity, about all of the things that, that he gives us. Promises in His Word to all of us. But a promise isn't usually what discourages you, right? It's what encourages you, it builds you up. It's the process of coming to the promise that can be discouraging at times. Promises don't usually take people out, it's the patience, it's the endurance, it's the steadfastness that takes people out of the promise. So here is Abraham, he received a promise and this promise enlarges him and it builds faith in him and it puts something on the inside so he says, I'm gonna step out and I'm gonna follow you God because that's what God told him next. He said, I want you to go to a place that I will show you. So Abraham begins to go and that's what promises do. We're enlarged by the promise but guess what? We're also enlarged by the process because the process is working something in us to be a people who can receive but keep that promise. And so it's a lot like a, a, a pregnant mom. You know, you're growing. Things are changing. And you can't see all of the things that are changing, but you know you're changing, and you know you're growing. And guess what? You're becoming someone who can sustain that promise. So it's a a process that God works. But I heard this story one time, and it was of Joyce Meyer, and she uh, told this story about a woman who wanted to return a series that she bought of of Joyce Meyer's uh, teaching. And so Joyce said, well, why do you want to return it? And she said, because I have done everything you said in this series for two weeks, and my life has not changed. Okay, guess what? Two weeks is not long enough. In fact, the process of patience, perseverance, and endurance is going to be a lot more than two weeks, right? It's going to be a lot more than that. When we're growing into the people who are prepared, and what is it that Pastor Mark tells us all the time? We are being prepared for the place that God has for us so that we will occupy that place, and it won't occupy us. But that preparation time for many of us sitting here has been, uh, if you've been here a long time, 40 years so far. That's way more than two weeks, right? Way more. So... We are being prepared, but when preparation meets opportunity, then success happens. Then the promises are coming to pass. So God wants that for us. He wants us to be prepared, and he wants us to be in the right place when the opportunity comes because that's when his plan, everything that he has spoken about, comes to pass in that moment that's the moment we see miracles that's the moment that we see those promises that we've been looking at as a reality in our life that's the moment that we get to say oh, I've been rejoicing about this for 40 years and now I'm jumping up and down because it's happening just as God said it would So that is what we're looking forward to. So the five things that get in our way are fear. Now, Abraham, when he stepped out into this promise, he encounters a really strange situation. God gave him the promise. God began prospering him. But he goes to a new city in Genesis chapter 12, and he gets into fear halfway through his promise coming to pass. And he tells his wife, tell people that you're my sister, Because I'm afraid. I'm afraid that they'll kill me if we go here. So Abraham, who is supposed to be the father of many nations, tells his wife, pretend you're my sister. (laughs) You can't be a father when you're a brother. So (laughs) fear is causing him to step back from what God said he was. Fear is causing him to step back from that patient endurance, from trusting God. And in fact, Jeremiah tells us this in Jeremiah 17, 5 through 8, it says, Thus says the Lord, cursed with great evil is the strong man who trusts in and relies on frail man. You know, when we lean to our own reasoning, he reasoned this out. He said, Let's say this is our plan. Let's say you're my sister so that I don't get killed. <laughs> he was afraid, and he admitted it. But when we rely and trust on ourself, we're not relying on God. And he says this. He says, "...the man who makes weak human flesh his arm and whose mind and heart turn aside from the Lord. For he shall be like a or a person naked and destitute in the desert. And he shall not see good come, but he shall dwell in, a, in parched places in the wilderness and in un- uninhabited salt land. Most blessed is the man who believes in, trusts in, and relies on the Lord, whose hope and confidence the Lord is." For he shall be like a tree planted by waters that spread out its roots by the river, and it shall not see or fear when heat comes. (laughs) But its leaf shall be green, it shall not be anxious and full of care in the year of doubt, nor shall it cease yielding fruit. So that's a promise. So that's a really great picture. What do we want to be? A tree that's planted by the river that is flourishing and full, or do we want to be a shrub? When we lean to our own reasoning, when we let fear contaminate our PPE, when we let fear in, we become a shrub. We shrink back from the promise of God. And we do things and say things that are just, they're they're contrary to what God said. So that's what Abraham is doing. So fear is causing him to trust himself and to stop trusting God. God already gave gave him a word. And God can sustain him and God can prosper him and God can do everything he said if Abraham will just trust God, right? But here's the thing about fear. So when we receive a fear, if we don't deal with it, it keeps cropping up in our life it keeps coming up so just five pages from this story where abraham says tell them you're my sister and then that plan didn't work he does it again in a new place (laughs) he says tell him again that you're my sister and guess what it doesn't work that time but when we have fear that hinders us we pass it on to our kids too and his son isaac did the exact same thing just five more pages over (laughs) So Isaac came to a place where he said, Rebecca, you're just far too beautiful. Let's tell everyone that I'm your brother. So now this fear is passed to his children. You know, we all could probably pinpoint a fear in our life that has limited us, that was passed down to us, that wasn't even our original fear. (laughs) But it was something that maybe our grandmother or our mother or our father had and they pass down to us, right? So fear limits us, and fear will contaminate our perseverance. We shrink back when fear happens. We don't press forward. And God requires that we step forward in faith. And that's part of what perseverance and patience and endurance works in us. We read it. There's a faith. There's a a faith that lasts through that sees results. All right, so here's the next one. The next one is discouragement and insecurity. Discouragement. Discouragement. And who's the one that we see here? Well, it's Jeremiah. And go with me over to Jeremiah 1.4. Jeremiah 1.4. And it says this. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, Jeremiah, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew and I approved of you as my chosen instrument. And before you were born I separated you and I set you apart consecrating you and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations and then said I ah oh, lord god behold I cannot speak for I am only a youth but the lord said to me say not I am only a youth for you shall go to whom I shall send you and whatever I command you you shall speak be not afraid of them of their faces the amplified says For I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand, and he touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day appointed you to the oversight of nations and kingdoms, to root out and to pull down, to destroy, to overthrow, to build, and to plant." Moreover the word of the Lord came to me saying Jeremiah what do you see and I said I see a branch a shoot of an almond tree the emblem of alertness and activity in blossoming in winter and then said the Lord to me you have seen well for I am alert and active watching over my word to perform it wow so Jeremiah gets a word from the Lord and his immediate response is Lord I'm not I'm not old enough I'm not I'm not big enough, I'm not, I don't know enough, I'm too young, I'm only a youth. And God says, no, he says, you're going to go everywhere I tell you to go, and you're going to speak my words. You don't have to come up with something, you're going to speak my words. And so this story right here of what the Lord said to Jeremiah really shows us that his destiny preceded his birth. God said, before you were born, I called you. Before you were born, I put something on this earth for you to do. And guess what? It's the same for us. But we're not going to come to the end of it if we don't have patience, perseverance, and endurance. And those things are the exact things that the enemy was coming against in Jeremiah's life with discouragement and with insecurity. In Jeremiah's life, he was really going to be called to minister to a people that didn't want to listen to what he was saying. (laughs) And so it was important that he had a strong foundation, and he had to be founded on the Word of God. And so God said, I want to tell you something. I called you to do this before you even were born. Wow. Before you were even born. And then he told him, he said, there's some things that you shouldn't say. And there's some things that you shouldn't look at if you're going to come to the end. Don't look at their faces. (laughs) Look at my face, God says. Don't look at their faces, and that'll discourage you. But God showed him how to stay encouraged and to come to the end. He said, look at me. He said, what do you see? And he wanted him to see what God saw, and he wanted him to say what God said. And when he saw what God saw, and when he said what God said then he overcame discouragement and he overcame the insecurity that would try and hold him back. And those two things will come against us, against our patience, against our perseverance, and against our endurance. So we have got to see what God sees and say what God says. And you know, God put this to practice. Even when there was nobody around to hear it, God created the world with words words have power and when there's nobody around to hear it we have to encourage ourselves with the word of god because words have power so jeremiah he overcame discouragement and insecurity and he had to keep his eyes on the lord but here's another one and it's hannah and hannah's story is over in first samuel and we're jumping around to a couple stories because it's so good to remember and to read where people were. You know, a lot of them are in the exact same situations that we are oftentimes. So in 1 Samuel 1, 11, and it says that Hannah came before the Lord. But actually, before this, in verse 7, it tells us that year after year, she would come before the Lord with her family, but as they would come, her rival, Peninnah, would provoke her. And so it says uh, she provoked her, and Hannah was affected greatly by that. So Hannah, what Hannah is overcoming, is Offense! Offense! And so now it says in verse 11, So she vowed, saying, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your handmaiden and earnestly remember and not forget your handmaiden, but will give me a son, I will give him to the Lord all of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. And she continued praying before the Lord. And Eli noticed her mouth, and Hannah was speaking in her heart, But only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. So Eli thought she was drunk. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. This is the Bible. All right. So (laughs) Eli said to her, "'How long will you be intoxicated? "'Put wine away from you.' "'But Hannah answered, "'No, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit.' I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I was pouring out my soul before the Lord. Regard not your handmaiden as a wicked woman, for out of my great complaint and bitter provocation I have been speaking. Now, it gives us an insight when you read the New King James Version. It says this, For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I have spoken until now. Until now. Evidently, Hannah was experiencing some things in her life. And some of those things in her life, which were her womb being closed, which she wanted God to open were being affected maybe by what was going on. And she said, this is the day that things are changing for me. I'm letting go of everything, and I am coming before the Lord, and I am asking him, and my heart is broken before him. She was pouring out her heart before the Lord. But as soon as we decide that we're going to get rid of offense, and I'm sure part of the offense was Penina. Her rival was always on her, you know, her negativity, her discouraging words. her It says that she taunted her uh, in places. It says that she was against her. She, she said things to her continually. You know, some people are mean, and we can be offended with that. <laughs> some people are mean on purpose, and we can be offended with that. But this story isn't about God correcting Penina. <laughs> It's about God correcting Hannah. (laughs) Hannah comes before the Lord, and Hannah puts her heart out there. But as soon as she decides to get rid of offense, she has another opportunity for offense. And it's by her leader. Well, surely he should have known my heart. He should have known that I came to pour out my heart before the Lord. I'm in prayer, and he thinks I'm drunk. I mean, here she is, right? Another opportunity for offense, and it's with her leader. Wow. So what does Hannah do? Hannah lets it all go, and she she gives it to the Lord, which is exactly what we have to do because offense will contaminate our perseverance. It'll contaminate our patience. I mean, have you ever been offended with someone and tried to be patient with them? (laughs) doesn't happen. It'll contaminate our endurance because as soon as we get offended, we don't want to do what we're doing anymore. <laughs> so it'll contaminate our PPE. So here is Hannah. And you know, it makes me think of Jesus. When Hannah is here and she's being taunted every day, you know, it says Jesus was reviled. And when we look at him, Jesus was teased and taunted and reviled. And how did he respond? It says, he reviled not. He trusted God. And in fact, when he was going to the cross for us, he could have been offended by everybody and their treatment of him. But what did he do? He said, no, I'm going to the cross. In fact, he considered the offense nothing in comparison to what God would and could do. And in Hannah's life, Hannah's healing depended on her releasing offense. Yeah. Hannah's miracle depended on her releasing offense. For Jesus, what held Jesus to the cross? Was it his the nails in his hands and in his feet? Well, probably not. It was Jesus great desire to not be offended with the people that he was going to the cross for. And when Jesus went to the cross for us, His desire to forgive us held him to the cross. I mean, it was powerful. It was more powerful than anything, natural thing, because Jesus at any moment could have stepped down, but he said, I will not be offended, and I will forgive. And that's why we are where we are today. That's why we are forgiven, because miracles happen every time a person gets saved. That's a miracle happening. And Jesus made way for that miracle because he would not receive an offense. Oh, man. You guys, that's powerful. (laughs) That's powerful. So offense will contaminate our PPE. So the next one is Naomi. Naomi. Naomi's story is found in Ruth chapter 1. And uh, let's go over there real quick. I know we're reading a lot of stuff told Pastor Mark, I don't know if I can get all that in. He goes, try anyway. I said, okay. <laughs> so, Na- Naomi's story is found in a book called Ruth. And uh, there is some great significance and symbolic meaning in the names and the places in this book. And we're going to look at them. So, uh, a, it says here in one One in the days when the judges ruled there was a famine in the land and a certain man of Bethlehem of Judea Judea, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The man's name was Elimelech and his wife's name was Naomi and his two sons were named Malon and Chilion, invalid and pining is what his son's names meant. They were, right? (laughs) They were, Epaphrodites from uh, Bethlehem of Judah and they went to the country of Moab and continued there but Elimelech who was Naomi's husband died and she was left with her two sons and they took wives of the women of Moab and the name of the one was Orpah and the other Ruth and they dwelt there about ten years and Malon and Chilion died also and both of them so the women were bereft of The woman was bereft of her two sons and of her husband. And then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return to the country of Moab, for she had heard in Moab how the Lord had visited his people, giving them food. Now, I know it doesn't look like there's a lot in this except for names, but I have a slide that tells you what some of these names mean. So there's a lot in this story, and the significance is found in the names and in the places. So here we have... Elimelech. What does Elimelech's name mean? It means God is king. Naomi's name means my delight. Malon, as we said, means sick or invalid. And Chilion means pining, wasting away. Bethlehem means house of bread, but Moab means seed. So if we look at these meanings, the whole story is told right here of why they left. So, And and we call this one, or I'm saying this one, is following the world. Naomi, her PPE was contaminated because she was following the world's way. So Elimelech, God is my king, and my delight, were called to house of bread. When they were called to house of bread, that's where God had something for them. Bethlehem was where they lived, and that was house of bread. But they left house of bread to go find seed. See, how does God work? Well, God says, I'm going to give you seed, and the seed that he gives us is his word. And when we speak his word, it actually creates and does something, right? That's why God, when no one was around, spoke the word to create the world. But they did not... Speak God's word in the house of bread to have the house of bread manifest to them. In fact, we can see what was on their heart and on their mind. And out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks. Well, what was it? They named their two sons sick, invalid, and pining and wasting away. So here they are. God is my king and my delight. And yet they have a different confession. (laughs) A different confession that is actually creating something when they're called to create something different. God did come to Bethlehem, and he did bring seed. He did bring food. He did bless Bethlehem as the house of bread. But they were gone when it happened. Why? Because they were probably watching BNN, Bethlehem News Network, (laughs) hearing about the bad report of the famine... And the bad report of the famine was filling their heart, and they were so discouraged by it that they named their kids after the famine instead of after what God had called them to be. And they went to a place looking for seed when they were actually called to plant seed. When we follow the world's way, the world has no good counsel for us. It'll tell us to go here and to go there. It'll tell us you can't get Christmas presents because they're on a ship in the ocean. But guess what? God's got all kinds of good stuff in the bookstore for you to buy. So... There's so much (laughs) that the world does not know about the way of God. And yet sometimes we act like they're the authority. And so Naomi ends up going home because God blessed Bethlehem. But who does she go home with? Ruth, a person who is not even a woman of the covenant. And Ruth was so honored by God that she is one of the four women in the genealogy of Jesus. She doesn't even have to be there because she married into it. And yet God says, I love so much her faith and what she did. I love her endurance, her patience in the plan of God. I love how she persevered. And I'm going to put her name in there for everyone to see for all of eternity. Wow. And the book is not called Naomi Comes Home. It's called Ruth, (laughs) right? So there's something about that. Following the world's way will contaminate our PPE. They were called to persevere, to have endurance, and to be patient in the plan of God. God can give us every promise every single promise if we will stay in the place where he called us to and believe him for it. And it doesn't matter if you're believing God for a job, for a man, for a husband, for a wife. If you're, you know, I've heard young people say, "But there's no n- nobody to marry in Glenwood Springs." Well, guess what? There is. God moved my family here so Pastor Mark could have a wife. I mean, God can do it. <laughs> God can do anything that we will trust him for. So, Naomi. All right, here's the last one, and it's Peter, losing sight of the truth. And go with me over to Matthew 16, 13. In Matthew 16, 13, Peter has a revelation, a big revelation. But not only five verses later, I think it is, then... Jesus is saying, get thee behind me, Satan, (laughs) because he loses sight of the truth. So here in verse 15, it says that Jesus said to them, but who do you yourselves say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus answered him, Blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood. Men have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, a large piece of rock. And on this rock, huge rock like Gibraltar, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, the power of the internal region infernal region shall not overpower or be strong to its detriment or hold out against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind or declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already bound in heaven and whatever you loose declare lawful on earth must be what is already loosed in heaven. So he says not only did he perceived the truth in his spirit, and he spoke it out. Jesus says, this is the key to you overcoming the enemy, wherever, whenever, is that you hold on to the truth. And the truth is not just a word, it's a person. He received the spirit of who Jesus was. But guess what? He lives on the inside of us. And he is here to guide us and to direct us in everything that comes. When we start to feel that our patience, our perseverance, our endurance is waning, we need to put our eyes right back on him and let him speak to our spirit because he will speak life. His words are spirit, and they are life. And he will speak life to our spirit that will carry us forward, that will keep us moving in the plan of God. So we cannot lose sight of the truth. And what Jesus showed Peter was he showed him whose and who he was. He said, this is who you are, because you know who I am, and you know who you are, Now you can take authority. You can take authority, and we're called to take authority. Patience, perseverance, and endurance is not just sitting back and waiting. It's taking authority in the place where we are called to be. And that's what Naomi was supposed to do, and that's what Abraham was supposed to do, and that's what Jeremiah was supposed to do. You know, Jeremiah had a, a, a friend in King Josiah, and as long as King Josiah was alive, he was doing pretty good getting that message out. But his big discouragement came when King Josiah died and he underwent severe persecution. He underwent all kinds of of persecution. You can read about it in the book. But he comes to the place in Jeremiah 15, 16, where he says, I'm coming back to your word, Lord. He says, your word, your word is for me. And he said, I... your word. I consumed your word. I put your word on the inside of me and it became the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. And that's what the Lord is telling Peter. He says, you will overcome with this word. You will overcome with this word. So patience, perseverance, and endurance means coming back to the word of God and never losing sight of the truth, so our our words—it's a question. Are our words building the kingdom and binding the enemy? Are they doing that right now? And if they're not, then we need to take a lesson from this story, and we need to see and know that that's what we're called to do. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the church, but the days will get darker, and it'll feel like the church is oppressed. The church will rise, and the church will rise in miracles. Yes. And that's what we're called to do. The glory will get stronger and the light will get brighter, but the darkness will get darker. And those who understand that they have their PPE in place, not your mask, but if you have your patience, your perseverance, and your endurance in place, then you will be one who is praying and seeing miracles. You'll be one who's holding on to the Word. So it's a question that I asked before. Are there things that we are speaking about that we need to speak over? Are there things that we are talking about that we need to begin to speak to? Because when Jesus spoke to mountains, they moved. When he spoke to trees, guess what? They withered. Things will wither and things will move if we speak to them. We have to know the authority that we have. Death and life are in the power of our tongue. So... James 1, 3 through 4 in the Amplified, it says, Be assured and understand that the trial and the proving of your faith bring out endurance and steadfastness and patience. It's a growing season. Pastor Mark titled this series, PPE, A Growing Season. (laughs) We're growing in these things. But it says this, But let endurance and steadfastness and patience have full play and do a thorough work so that you may be people perfectly and fully developed with no defects, lacking in nothing. And that means that we don't let fear in the way. We don't let insecurity and discouragement in the way. We don't let offense get in the way. We don't let... Uh, following the world or losing sight of the truth, contaminate our PPE. In fact, our PPE will stay in place if we put these things in their right place. Praise God. (laughs) I want to read just another scripture as we close here. And it's uh, uh, 2 Thessalonians 1.3. It says, We ought and indeed are obligated as those in debt to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, as is fitting, because your faith is growing exceedingly, and the love of every one of you, each toward the other, is increasing and abounds. That's what God's calling us to do, grow in faith and abound in love. And it says, and this is a cause of our mentioning you with pride among the churches of God, For your steadfastness, your unflinching endurance and patience, and your firm faith in the midst of all of the persecution and the crushing distresses and afflictions under which you are holding up. He says you're going to hold up. Why? Because you're focused on the right things. You're loving people and you're growing in faith. That's what we're going to do. So praise God. And then uh, Colossians One tells us, and this we will do, provided that you continue to stay with and in the faith of Christ, well-grounded and settled and steadfast, not shifting away or moving away from the hope. We can stay settled and steadfast in God. And we're going to with our PPE in place. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, uh, you know... uh, we all need to have the relationship with Jesus so that we can have PPE, patience, uh, perseverance, and endurance. And oftentimes, you know, in this sanctuary, everyone is born again, but there's a lot of people that watch us online. And I would like for us just to play, pray and rededicate ourselves and uh, to being steadfast and to knowing who is in us. It is the, the truth that, the, that we hold to But like I said, truth is a person. It's Jesus. And Jesus came so that he could live on the inside of us, never to leave us again, as Alan said, by the Spirit of God. And so when we invite him into our life, we invite the Spirit of God to be uh, resident on the inside of us. And so I just want for us to pray before we end our service today. And let's all stand and uh, we can pray this together. And if you've already prayed a prayer of salvation and you are saved, then praise God. But if you're not, and maybe the person uh, next to you is, they're going to pray along with you so that we can all stand together and, and we'll pray this together. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son for me. I believe that Jesus died for me. And I want to come to the end of my life having done everything I was called to do. And so I invite you into my life to speak to me by your spirit, to lead me by your spirit, to guide me by your spirit, and to uh, take me into that place That you have eventually prepared for me. That heaven would be my home. So I ask you to cleanse me of unrighteousness. Forgive me and heal my heart. And I thank you that I am your child now. I declare that I am yours In Jesus' name. name. Amen. Amen. So it's just a simple prayer, but you know, it's just releasing our heart to Him and letting Him fill those places. And you know, that's what we do uh, every time we come into the prayer closet. We release our heart to Him and we let Him fill the places so that we can stand in our PPE, our patience, our perseverance, and our endurance. And you know what? Uh, What a great. Series of messages. This was. I think it's one that you should actually download to your phone <laughs> and play over and over again because uh, this is definitely one that that I really believe we're going to continue to need. We're going to continue to need it. So uh, praise God. Well, next week Pastor Mark is moving on into a, a new message. Uh, it's series and it's going to be called "Simple Chris Simply Christmas." I think. Simply Christmas, and so he'll be bringing parts of the Christmas story and just talking about that. But wow, this has been good, hasn't it? Amen, amen. Well, why don't you say this as we go? Uh, Don't forget about the missionary offering, and uh, you can give into that, uh, but through text. Uh, through the website, but you can also fill out an envelope and and drop it in. Make sure you mark on it that it's for the missionary offering. But if you're watching online today and you say, I want to participate in that, then uh, get onto the app or get onto the website and choose missions, and you can definitely sow into that. And uh, tonight, it's the youth takeover service. It's going to be super fun. You'll want to be here for that. Uh, We'll see everything that's uh, going on and how our youth are being impacted and affected and how they're changing the world. So it'll be awesome. So come back for that. All right. Say this as we go. What God did in Christ Jesus what God did in Christ far, exceeds far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. Amen.